Well, hey there, podcast listener. Do you like reading books? Well, of course you do, especially since you're listening to this, which is a geeky podcast. And if you're a geeky person, you tend to read books. Do you actually have time to sit down and read those books? Well, of course you don't. In this fast-paced world, it's all plugged in online. You don't have time to sit down and read all those words. Well, let me tell you something that can help you out quite a goddamn bit, if I do say so myself. It's called Audible.com. And if you go to Audible.com, it's people reading you books like when you was a little kid. And that way you can do it, you know, at home or maybe perhaps in in the car on your way to work or maybe even at work if you have a job where you can put in headphones or people don't mind listening to books around you so long as you aren't listening to one full of a lot of cussing maybe you get some books that have bad words in them and people at work don't like that that's not work appropriate but that's not the point if you want to listen to all these audio books you can go to audibletrial.com slash atomic geekdom right now and when you get there you're going to get a free that is right a free 30 day trial of audible's wonderful audio book services plus a free audio book download and if you like it, well, you know what? You're also helping out AtomicGeekdom.com, which helps out, you know, getting you these podcasts that you like so much, including the Atomic Geekdom podcast and the one you're about to listen to right now, the Two Broke Geeks podcast. So head to AudibleTrial.com slash Atomic Geekdom right now to get your free 30-day trial and free audiobook download. I would suggest some that you might like to listen to, but why should I suggest some to you? You know what you like to read. Get over there now. Hi, this is Billy West. Or Stimson J. Cat. Aline Hart, shut up, you fool! And I'm Dr. Zoidberg, and I'm saying hello with Professor Hubert Farnsworth and your old Captain Zap Brannigan. You're listening to Two Broke Geeks. Joy! Let's face it, this is not the worst thing you've caught me doing. Adventure. <laughs> Excitement. <laughs> Jedi craves not these things. Shut up. I didn't say You were thinking. It's annoying. tomorrow night. What, Rain? What are we going to do tomorrow night? The same thing we do every night, Pinky. Welcome to Two Broke Geeks. I'm Matt. Justin is in Mississippi as I record this uh, on the middle of a 12-hour night shoot. They're recording 5 p.m. to 5 a.m. So he's having fun playing in the dark in Mississippi, and I'm here doing this. I think I win, especially since I have a great guest tonight. It is the first time a woman has ever been on this show. The woman who saved her name for me from being just like this horrible association thing. This is Jenny, everybody. (laughs) That's the most interesting intro I've ever received. (laughs) Well, it's true because, okay, this is a story I don't think I've told on this show yet, but right before I met my wife, I was dating this woman whose name was Jenny, and uh, I thought she was, you know, great. She was just a real pretty girl. We had a lot of fun together and everything. And uh, basically, she turned out to be uh, kind of crazy, and she kind of broke my heart. And then I kind of went crazy for a while. I wore suits a lot. I sat at home in the dark drinking beer all night long, um, mainlining uh, 
Supernatural and How I Met Your Mother and uh, passing out on the couch. I like never actually went to bed. Like I would stay up so late that I would pass out on the couch and barely <laughs> barely wake up for work in the morning. And so I went kind of crazy for a while and then I got better and then I met my wife and now I'm married and then, but still for like a long time I would hear the name Jenny and be like, ugh, cause I'd get like a flashback to like that horrible time. And then I got to know you and now when I hear the name Jenny, I think about you rather than thinking about like this horrible time in my life that's good i'm glad i could bring you back from the dark side yeah it worked out great so i was kind uh, of worried where the story was going though i was like no like i just i went and no i just got super eccentric for a while after i had my heart broken and it was like this just weird time where i was miserable all the time and drank a lot of beer and mainline supernatural in the dark for hours on end i think we've all done that like we've had that one breakup that afterwards when we look back to how we were afterwards everything about it see i had this whole issue though that i kept dating guys with all the same names so now i get names mixed up in my head and i have to figure out so they they take on characteristics so when i think of that name i think of okay is it the bro or yep. is it the super artsy or is it <laughs> yeah that's like when I was, that's like when i was in school like i think every parent the name or the year i was born decided to name their child matthew so there was like three or four mats in the same class as me so the teacher always had to be very specific oh, otherwise Matt, we would you and i you and i totally <laughs> In my high school, there was, no joke, another Jennifer Lynn Robinson. Wow. When we checked out books and stuff, we'd have to give our student ID number. (laughs) And then with her graduation... You didn't get your diploma at your graduation. They just gave you the like the folder, and then you'd have to go back like a week later and actually get the one printed with your name. Yeah. And I go like two weeks after graduation to get my diploma, and they tell me I can't have it because I never attended the Saturday school that was assigned to me. And oh, I'm like, no. I didn't have Saturday school. But the other Jennifer Lynn Robinson did, and she just totally bailed out on it. So they held my my diploma hostage until they figured out which was the right Jennifer. Oh, that's horrible. (laughs) (laughs) So, and that's what I tell people too. I am not Jennifer. I'm only Jennifer if I'm in trouble or I own money. So yeah, that's like me. My, the only people that call me by my full first name are like my relatives, my grandparents, my parents, and my aunts and uncles. (laughs) Everyone else is like Matt. Yeah, oh, my, it, my my boss is also Matt, and he asked me once upon a time, do you prefer Matt or Matthew? And I said Matt, and he still continues to call me Matthew. I don't know why. It's annoying. Interesting. Well, Patrick's <laughs> really funny, too, because he hates when people call him Pat. Yeah. He's Patrick, because all he thinks of is when he was in high school, that Saturday Night Live skit, <laughs> the Pat. Was it's all- Pat. It's Pat. Oh, that was a great sketch on Saturday Night Live. Oh, it was it was awesome. So yeah, I'm all my family and all the friends that I grew up with. I'm either Jenny or Robbie because of the whole yep. too many Jennies. And then once I moved to California, it was really funny because I worked at this job that I had to have a nameplate, and Jenny looked really funny on it. So I just put Jen, and then I. I let my friends here call me Jen because it's just a lazy, you don't have to do that extra syllable. So I'm Jen or Jenny now. Only California lazy thing. It's a total California (laughs) lazy thing. 
So yeah, but oh. anybody still back home up in Seattle, they I'm still Jenny. Yeah. I want to real quick just mention because it's kind of important that Kenny Baker died. Uh, the guy who brought the life to R2-D2. So, uh, yeah, that's kind of sad. I was like, oh, whoa, because they still got more Star Wars movies to make. And, you know, any little person can go inside of the robot. But it's still kind of like, oh, he was always R2-D2. So He just, is R2-D2. Yeah, From he, here on out, it will be somebody playing R2-D2. Right, I know. And he was... That's kind of all, because I was like trying to, I didn't look him up on IMDb, I forgot to, but I was like, oh, he was in, oh no, that was Warwick Davis. He was in, so I was like, oh, Kenny Baker is just really just R2-D2. There's, um, so I follow a lot of artists that yeah. pop up at different cons or there's, there's a great gallery here in LA called Gallery 1988 Yeah, and they do a lot of things, but I've over the years have developed a lot of love for artists but there's this guy and i'm gonna butcher his name but he's awesome his name's um patrick i think it's bellatros mm-hmm. but he does all these really cool um like 25 cent um you know the old art when you go into a grocery store they used to have like the horse that you'd put in a nickel yes and, yep. right? so, like the, so he yeah. does he does those but he does them all for really cool pop culture thing like i have an awesome one of a kid dressed as jason Voorhees in a boat oh that's cool and then i also have um the iron giant but the kids on top of his head you know ready to go but they're all done like those old like 25 cent writing things outside yeah yeah he today posted on his instagram a drawing that's totally in his style and it's the body of R2-D2 with this kid coming out the top, but it's got that smile mm-hmm. like he has. And then there's all these little kids running around with the R2 helmet on. Oh, that's so cool. And it's it was the best tribute. Like, it, it's totally his style, and it's got that whimsical funness about it. And it totally emulates him. And I'm just like, oh, it broke my heart. But then it was also like... Oh my gosh, I love you. <laughs> yeah, I'm always looking at the... Oh, speaking of your art collection, I'm always looking at the art that you're, like, looking at and buying, and I'm like, oh, oh I really want to start buying art, but I already collect so many things, and art is so expensive. <laughs> well, it <laughs> depends. Like, you can get awesome prints for 10 yeah. 15 bucks, and frame them, and they look awesome, but then you have my house, which is starting to become a... Boca de Pepo. Do you oh, have yeah. on the East Coast? <laughs> uh, I, I'm getting to the point where I'm so. going to have to start bolting pictures to the ceiling frame. So <laughs> if you don't, wherever you're at, if you don't have a Boca de Pepo, it's this Italian restaurant where nothing comes in a single serve thing. It's all family like size. So you okay, never yeah, go yeah. there and just order. It's the worst place to go if it's just you and a date. You go when you have a bunch of people and you order two entrees and it will feed seven people. Yeah. They have picture upon picture and they're like tetris together so there's not an an opening on the wall i gotcha but then they're all across the ceiling like that but they're all framed pictures so you have mm-hmm. like framed pictures <laughs> and paintings and stuff above your head i'm yes. almost to that point in my house now yeah see even if i did start buying art it would all end up in the basement because my wife doesn't like even if I'm looking at like classy paintings not even like comic book paintings and stuff my wife and I have totally different like 
tastes. Like I like, I, I'm gonna just pick him because he's well known and because he has a style. But you know, like that Thomas Kincaid style where it's like kind of dusk and the houses have lights in them and everything looks kind of soft and warm colored. That's kind of yes. like my thing where I'm like, I kind of like those, you know, nighttime almost paintings and that kind of thing. And my my wife is more into like. She wants to get like an antique like ma looking map of the world and hang it on the wall like where she likes that antique kind of look. So I'm like, oh, so no matter what art I pick, which is fine. It's like no matter what art I pick, it's going to go in my space. <laughs> and I definitely right. want more like ah, I'd like some horror art and I'd like some uh, comic book art and I'd like some, I, I don't know, just pick it. Whatever suits my fancy because I've been... <laughs> I've been really you're, into you're that kind probably, of thing. You'll probably like like this then is that when when Patrick and I first started dating, totally different styles. Like I'm very whimsical. Like I like yeah. big bubbly like Big Hero Six, when it came out, I was in love just because of the fat inflatable Big Hero Six. Like yeah, yeah. that's kind of more my style where he is more punk rock skateboard. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it's our place looked really really funny the first few years we lived in lived together because nothing yeah. matched but now that we both are stubborn and we won't give up our style we have giant Dwayne Peters you know posters next yeah. to next to a big bubble head superman you know That's and awesome so they're all, and then we've got skateboards, but because of his influence in skateboarding, a lot of friends have given us stuff. And we have yeah. really cool kids-type painted skateboards in between punk rock and Jason Voorhees. Mm -hmm. So it's become such a plethora of nothing matches. And it's the same with our furniture. We have like a leather couch, but then a beat up table. And then all our bookshelves are different color woods, but yeah. we stacked bookshelves on top. Of, so we'll have like a black bookshelf on the bottom with a light wood green bookshelf on the top and a dark bookshelf. <laughs> it's, it's a that mess. Sounds, yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> it, it's starting though, because there's so much that clashes. Now it's all starting to make sense. Like it all belongs together. Yeah. So maybe you'll get there. I hope so. My wife's really into matching things. She likes it when everything matches. So when when I get the basement finished, it's going to be just like kind of chaos because I'm going to be like everything I love in one space. <laughs> so Spe speaking of which, though, have you ever seen I want to call think it's called like the drunken downfall. Let's see if I can find it. It's this like Thomas Kincaid painting of like a garden, but it's got stormtroopers and the house is on fire. No. Let me let me That's... see if I can find it. I saw it years ago. I know one thing I saw once upon a time is, and again, it's gonna be like the the name, but I think these were actually by him. It was like a bunch of Disney paintings that were by Thomas Kincaid. Yeah, I was gonna say they were in that style, but I'm pretty sure they were actually by him, and it was like these just absolutely gorgeous paintings of like beauty and the beast with like the castle behind them and all this like gorgeous landscape or like uh peter pan flying over just as beautifully painted london landscape with like the pirate ship was like made out of clouds it was like man oh. i kind of want these <laughs> they, they're awesome a, like they, yeah. there's this whole like line too which 
I'm being told I'm not allowed to buy any more art, but one day I will have it. Somebody did the entire Disney princesses, but they did the monster style. So <gasps> yeah. Belle from my favorite one, hands down, is Belle from Beauty and the Beast. That's what, that's her name, right? Yeah, she's Belle. in the yeah. yellow dress, and she's turning into a werewolf. Like her <gasps> arms have the hair, and she's like blood's coming out of her that's eyes. Amazing. But it's it's, uh, it's the coolest thing ever. I'm like, I want this. I love it. So yeah, it's called um, the drunk, the drunken downfall and death of Thomas Kincaid. The um, drunken downfall. I'm gonna look it up right now. But yeah, there he, they did this one where it's, um, it's, it's really cool. It's it's like a fairy Thomas Kincaid, but it's got fire and stormtroopers and life is good. I love it when they take when somebody takes uh, like stormtroopers or whatever. And puts them in a more real world setting. Like, did you see the video recently that was like the the real world uh, Star Wars airport where somebody took the Star Wars vehicles and put them like they were landing at a real world airport? No. Oh, it was great. If you can find it, I think the video was called Real World Star Wars Airport. And it was great. <laughs> it was... I just remember somebody a couple years ago sent me one that was awesome because I was having the hardest time with my dog Memphis of getting yeah. into stuff. So, like, there'll be clothes from our laundry bin shredded in their kennel and things like that. They sent me one of a stormtrooper, like, with its hands up, like, what the? And there's, like, a little attic walker and the garbage can is tipped over. Yeah. <laughs> I was just like, Memphis is the attic. Yeah. Oh, you're right. This picture is awesome. I was like going through this because the article is called The Drunken Downfall and Death of Thomas Kincaid. And I'm like looking through this article going, where is the picture? And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, there it is. And you're right. It's stormtroopers in a house on fire. It's amazing. Yeah, but it's totally got that like kind of like whimsical feel to it. Yeah, I love that. Oh, speaking of whimsical feel, uh, uh, feel, I got this idea from uh, what was I watching comic book men I was watching comic book men on AMC and a guy came into the the comic book shop uh and he asked uh Walt Flanagan the guy that runs the comic book shop but he's also drawn some comic books for Kevin Smith he and he he said I have this notebook and I go to comic cons and I ask famous artists to draw stick figures and he opened the book and he had just this incredible collection of different artists interpretations of stick figures oh that's awesome and i was like this is amazing like i love this idea now i just want to pick something really simple like not a stick figure i guess i want to kind of make it a little bit different but if i was like draw a ghost or draw a snowman or draw me a cat and just went to like a comic-con and went to like Neil Adams booth and like uh, just any booth there and just told him to just, I was like, this is an amazing idea. There's a, there's a, so, uh, and I've been out of school now for way too long. I think I'm coming up on 18 years, mm-hmm. 18 years since been being out of art school. Yeah. And I don't draw near as much as I used to. And I think it's because I live in Southern California. The mm-hmm. problem is there's just always something to do and you don't need to use well you can't use public transportation if you want to get anywhere successfully but when I lived in San Francisco and when I lived in Seattle I was always on the metro so I'd always be able to sit there and draw or sketch and watch people and try to draw them and things like that and the older I've gotten the more I haven't Mm -hmm. and I'm starting it's 
art and drawing is a totally a muscle. Like if you use it a lot, the more creative you get with the pin strokes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But my brother got me this awesome book a few years ago. It's um, 642 things to draw. Yeah. That's all it is. And the first page is just a big page and it says snowman. And you have the entire page to draw a snowman. You turn the page and the next page might be broken into four squares and it will be like a popsicle, a tractor, um, an arrow, and joy. You know, so it would throw these little twists in it. Okay. So you just, you just would turn the page in like every day if you just drew in it. And it's because it's 642 things to draw. But if you do one every day, the book is 365 pages. So you can draw something different every day without having to think of what do I want to draw today? And I didn't take it as anything like special. And I, I, you know, did it for like 20, 30 days. And then it ended up on a bookshelf, but I was recently cleaning out stuff and I found it and I started shuffling through and I absolutely love drawings that I did during those pages Mm -hmm. that I probably hated at the time I drew them. But it's such a cool creative break. And I think, like you were saying, like having an artist do that, it's so much more personable and it's so much true their style than them drawing something they always draw. Yeah, and I kind of get – there's this movie, probably a lot of people haven't seen it, but it's called The Aristocrats. And, <laughs> is that the one with the cats? No, that's the Aristocats. Aristocats. This is, okay. this is this is the Aristocrats, and it's a documentary about the dirtiest joke ever told. Um, and it's it's kind of a shaggy dog joke, you know the the shaggy dog jokes that have a really long setup for a really lame punchline. Um, okay. Yeah. Well, this one is is called the Aristocrats, and. Uh, Oh, man. The basic gist of the story is uh, a family act goes into a talent agent's office. And uh, this is a lot. It's all going to a point. But uh, the reason is uh, I'll get to the point eventually. But the, <laughs> the uh, this is a shaggy dog story. Um, the aristocrats is the joke. And the basic idea is you go and there's a family, you know, mom, dad, son, daughter and dog and they go to a talent agent's office and they say we have a family act and the talent agent says what do you do and the joke is describing the act and the act is just this disgusting amount of sex acts that the family performs on each other and at the end and the point of the joke is to just make it as absolutely disgusting as you can to try and shock the other person that's listening and to just, you know, so it's in a way it's like everybody tells it different. There's no one way to tell it. It's just a piece of art in a way that everybody tells it different, kind of like a piece of jazz where nobody plays, you know, a single piece of jazz music the same way. And after I watched that documentary, I kind of got obsessed with this idea of like different artists doing one thing the same way. Like that's why I kind of have stopped hating remakes so much and why I'm like interested in cover songs and everything. It's like, man, if I could hear 20 bands do the exact same song i would be fascinated by that so as soon as when i saw on this show that this guy 
brought the book around saying draw me a stick figure it just hit me right in the like right where i live i'm like this is amazing i'm obsessed with this idea now and i want to do it so bad well it's it's true though but i think it also depends on the respect you have towards the artist because i mean there there are some artists that if they say i'm gonna redo this song i just look at them and i'm like no please don't please don't touch it but then there's some that will surprise you like i am i'm a huge johnny cash fan Mm -hmm. and the american recordings i know it's sacrilegious to say but that is his best work i believe oh no a lot of people would agree that some of his later stuff is really some of his best oh my gosh all the stuff he did with rick rubin is just Mm -hmm. it's genius because it's just raw and if you told me that johnny cash was going to do Soundgarden's Rusty Cage. I'd be mm. like, ew, whatever. Yep. And the first, I'll, I'll admit it, the first time I heard it, I'm like, this is the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard in my life, you know? And yeah. It was because I was in such a mindset that it's supposed to sound a certain way. Mm-hmm. But now when, when I catch it, I'm just like, it put an entirely different spin on it. And then you take ones that he did that are a little closer to the originals, like mm-hmm. the Trent Reznor hurt hurt. Yep. It's not far off except in his artistic way. He owns it totally different than Trent Reznor. Owns. Well, he, he, well, yeah. I, oh man. I was just talking to some friends about this the other day. He absolutely, it, I mean, Musically, it's almost the same, but the meaning of the song is entirely different. It's totally. No, it's no longer when when Johnny Cash does her. It's no longer uh, a man in his mid twenties like feeling sorry for himself and feeling like a loser and being depressed. It's a man at the end of his life who's lost pretty much you know most of the people he's ever known and cared about and is like all right i'm just ready to die now yeah it's and that's what makes it so hard too because it i mean he passed away shortly after that video and Mm -hmm. then with uh june carter and all that those those photos when you look back and you just in the photos you see torment but then you Mm -hmm. also just see joy you know and it is when he's pouring the wine across the rotted food on mm-hmm. the table, I can't watch that video without totally getting choked up because you get it because you mm-hmm. you know his story, you know yep. you. I but again, it's not taking anything away from Trent Reznor. But when no. you listen to that version compared to his version, yeah, you you get two totally different stories. Yeah, and mm. I think artists do a lot like that too. Is that you know. It's the same thing. You, anybody can draw a princess. Yep. But how do you draw the princess? You know, uh, what's huh? the emotion on their face? What's, uh, I, it's just, it's, it's awesome. It's why I think art is probably the greatest thing humans ever came up with. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, we've done some other really cool stuff like cure some diseases and stuff, but uh, art is still my favorite thing that we've ever done besides curing diseases. Right, right. But even then, like, (sighs) seriously, without art, would you have the motivation to want to cure cure the disease? You know, it's... No, like, you're right. It's kind of like, you know, art is... Well, Teller from Penn and Teller always defined art is what you do when the chores are done. And it's like, yeah, that's kind of what you do to make life more than just, oh, we're here. <laughs> right, right, exactly. 
Yeah. Uh, so, so good though. But I yeah, like that. do you do you have an artist right now that like a newer artist that if you ran into them you would just be like, oh my god, I love you. A newer artist? I mean, the most recent artist I'm really like uh, I'm really into Greg Capullo, and I've never met him, uh, which I'd like to. Um, shoot, I'm trying to think. Should of the... we keep it? Should we keep it themed oriented, like comic book artists or pop culture artists? Or oh, I don't know. Artists? No, I mean anybody. Like I don't know currently any like anybody outside of comic book artists necessarily, because that's kind of just what I'm paying attention to the most right now. But, I mean, (laughs) the other thing I'm paying attention to a lot is I've been, (laughs) this is so, but I've been watching a ton of The Joy of Painting lately, right before I go to bed. Yes. Because it's so calming, and all the time. It's meditational. Yeah, it's so meditational, and I'm like, man, I kind of, it's kind of sad now that Bob Ross is dead, because I'm like, oh, I'd like to just be like, Bob Ross, you make me feel so good about life. (laughs) I remember when I was in art school. I had this I had this life drawing class and I hated life drawing. I, I'm more of a scribbler. Like I don't I don't like being fine tuned. I can do charcoals and I can do like bleach painting and stuff like that, but I yep. I like to scribble. I yeah. like just mayhem that becomes a shape. And I hated it. And I remember an artist and I I worked full time, went to class full time. I like never slept and I was I was dozing off in class and, and the instructor's like you got to leave. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm fine. I'm awake. I'm awake. And like, no, you just wasted, you know, and he named out however many hundreds of dollars I wasted by sleeping yeah, yeah. during class and kicked me out of class. And I'm just like, oh my God, I just got kicked out of class. And the next day he told me that and he's like, if you ever just need to find yourself in sleep, he goes, and you need sleep. You can't sleep in my class. I mm. will not allow you to sleep in my class. He goes, put on Bob Ross. Yeah. I'm like, all right. And PBS used to run it all the time. So sure yeah. enough, I'd get back to my place. I'd put it on. And you know when your brain won't turn off and you got a thousand things going? You're mm-hmm. just like, well, this was a happy little mistake. We're just going to put a tree there. And you're just like, yeah, put yeah. a tree there. And, it's not, and then you fall asleep yeah. and you wake up great. It's not even just his voice. It's like if you really are just turn that on and have nothing else going on like even the sound of the brush on the canvas is like ah this is good this is nice i like this art is awesome life is awesome well and he and he he everything he did was positive like there wasn't he wasn't putting angry clouds in the in the sky. Yep. Even if they looked like a storm cloud, he goes, and then this ray of light shines through. Like, it was just, yep. everything he did was just amazing. It was so I good. I love it. So you asked me about favorite artists, and I can't think of too many modern ones, honestly. But uh, I guess if I, if I wasn't on the spot, I'd probably be able to think of several more. But how about you? You uh, digging anybody's work lately? <sighs> I've I've got a lot of like I, like I was saying I really like that and I cannot pronounce the last name but Patrick uh, I think it's Bellarostos or something mm. like that his stuff is really good but I'm a huge fan there's an artist from Seattle um, and I'm gonna butcher this name too but it's Vikram Madan I think is how you say it mm-hmm. but he my brother got me this painting 
um, a couple years ago, and I absolutely am like, that's the best thing ever. Yeah. It's just called Attack of the Space Needles. Hmm. And I'm, if you guys don't know, I am raised in Seattle, Seattle to the bone. That's my hometown. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of like War of the Worlds, but it's the Space Needles attacking. Oh, that's cool. And I'm like, I'm like, this is so cool. Fell in love with this stuff. He's got another one where um, it's like Space Invaders, but it's this you're shooting the Space Needles, you know? And yeah. so really cool. So I started following him a little bit more. And when you, those are kind of his more, I don't know, I, I call it kind of stencil type art. It's not stencil art whatsoever, but he's got this line of paintings where it's like whimsical robots or weird i i don't even know how to describe his stuff but every time i see it it's one of them too that kind of what you were saying about kincaid it's a color there it's very warms against contrasts of blue but yeah. the blues aren't like dark blues they're like really bright aqua blues next to fiery reds and oranges and i i love his stuff but then you can also go on a complete other thing. There's um there's this guy Alex um, Parday I think is his name, mm -hmm. and he does really weird zombie face melting they live type paintings. That's like, great. That, every time I see his stuff, I'm just like, yeah. And now we're talking. You're totally doing the Mars attack aliens with his face melting off or. Yep. Robocop decapitated, like weird stuff like that. That I, I can look yes. at his stuff for four days as well. I follow a lot of artists on Instagram, but they a lot of them don't seem to. I don't know if they're not just like using their real names or if they're using like abbreviations or whatever, but a lot of them are doing you know similar type things. There's like I follow some guys that do horror art, some guys that do more like like cartoony animation style art and i just i'm like that's my jam like that's kind of why i got instagram like i loved hopping on instagram and just seeing what other people were doing out in the world for creative things like i thought it was just people taking pictures of their food and at the beach and stuff and all of a sudden i was like oh no look at all these people like posting really cool paintings and drawings and stuff and all of a sudden i was like oh now i follow like a hundred artists on instagram oh and and that's what's great is like when i open my instagram feed i'll have you know my friend's dog or my other friend's kids playing in a water fountain and mm -hmm. then i'll have a enamel pin of ash versus the evil dead and then i'll have you know yep a family portrait and then i'll have a cartoon character of the iron giant or it's it's what makes instagram so fun is yeah. you can find some of the coolest things and those people usually tag other artists or and especially like with how many cons come through southern california mm. um i feel grateful that i've gotten to meet a lot of them and then there's a lot of really good galleries but I'm just telling all of you guys, the one that will steal my heart will paint me a Flash Gordon cartoon. Oh, yeah. But he's done it yet. I keep talking. I really want a Flash Gordon, but nobody's painting. The guy that did the Two Broke Geeks logo, I actually found him on Instagram, and he does anything you want in that style that he kind of has his cartoony style. It's not like a painting. It's more like he draws it and then colors it digitally. Uh, I think digitally anyway, it looks like he probably does. And so he he might do a Flash Gordon in well, kind of that. 
that's the other cool thing though about the artist now is like it is hard to tell who's using a paintbrush or who's using a stylus pad. Yep, it's pretty and cool. the the technology is insane these days. Like one of my favorite comic book artists is Dustin Nguyen, who does mm-hmm. he did a lot of the Batman and then um he does Descender. Yep. Descender's a great comic, but I'm not even into the story. I just get it to look at the the things, and it's very watercolor-esque with, like, the black penny. But I saw him doing, um, when I was at San Diego Comic-Con, they had him in a virtual reality thing thing where he was sculpting digitally. And he, like, was sculpting the coolest stuff virtually on a computer, but still using his hands. Mm -hmm. And then... um, this guy that I know does a lot of really, really cool comic book paintings and he'll post up on his Instagram an actual like watercolor acrylic painting mm-hmm. next to a stylus painting. And honestly can't tell the difference. Like it's, the yeah. artists nowadays know how and that's that's the first thing they teach you in, in art school. It's it's kinda like a font library. Mm-hmm. Just because you have it doesn't mean you have to use it. It's a tool and use the tool that does the job, right. you know, and people get so excited with Photoshop because they're like, oh, I can take wrinkles out and I can do this. And it's don't use Photoshop unless you need it. Yeah. You know, and I, I the artists out there now are just I mean, it's always been that way. There's always been amazing artists. But I think with social media, you're exposed to them more. Oh, and totally. It's, oh, which and is great because like Boca de Pepo. Yeah, which is great because you know the the idea kind of of the starving artist doesn't necessarily have to be that way anymore because you you know on Instagram if you post up enough stuff and you say hey I do commissions all of a sudden you've got a, a thousand followers and even if five hundred of them want a commission it's like wow you just made a bunch of money on Instagram whereas before you might not have been able to get five hundred people to buy your art. Right. Well, and then start an Etsy store, mm-hmm. you know, and sell prints. And a lot of um, a lot of artists now are just getting really nice high end Epson printers mm-hmm. and printing prints at home and, you know, selling eight by tens yeah. on an Etsy store and, you know, selling them for 20 bucks a piece, you know, yep. plus shipping. And and their art is getting out there. And that's that's what's so awesome is that I don't I only have a few pieces in my house that are actually worth money that are you know that i actually paid for or paid more most of them are just prints but you wouldn't know that once you put them in a frame right um i have a couple that i actually commissioned and and things like that but my favorite ones are just the prints there's there's a guy here in southern california um who goes by the art of sketch Mm -hmm. and he's very halloween themed like everything is like that's right up my alley oh oh, you check out his stuff because it's it's very cutesy but what was it I, the I art this, of sketch the art of sketch let's see uh, i think it's the art of sketch yeah he's he's always around the um around the things but he he does like really cool stuff and there'll be like his jason i have those jason Voorhees, but i keep really wanting there's you know the kind of pudgy kid from um uh Gosh, my brain's going dead. But a lot of it's very Jack Skeleton-esque, and mm-hmm. it's just, it's really cool. Yeah, um, the art of, I can't, I'll have to look for him more later. I was trying to see if he would come up right away, but he wouldn't. 
I'll have to yeah, look. Yeah, artistsketch.bigcartel.com. Oh, yeah. Big Cartel is a good place to go to look for art. Oh, they do cool. a lot. Yep. I love it. I've found quite a few interesting things there. I have a... Oh, I can't remember who did it, but I have a really nice print of uh, Pennywise the Clown surrounded by balloons. And I wish I could give the artist credit off the top of my head, but I can't. And I haven't put it in a frame yet. It's a slightly off... I, it's like eight and a half by 11 and I only have like an eight by 10 frame in my house or something like that. So I got to go out and get a special one for this. Oh yeah. That oh, guy is great. cool. That drives me crazy is when an artist uses an awkward size. Yeah. I mean, eight and a half by 11 isn't that awkward, but I just didn't realize it was going to be eight and a half by 11. I was like, Oh yeah, this is a, yeah, I have a frame for this. And I went and I grabbed it and I was like, Oh no, I don't have a frame for this. Oh my gosh. So, this is when you start to get because I refuse to have a frame made for anything. I will figure out mm -hmm. how to make it work without yeah. it. But a friend of mine um, got me this really cool original screen print um, poster from a Mud Honey show up in mm -hmm. Seattle. But it's seriously four and a half wide by eleven and a half. There's what? no frame in the history of frames that are ever made like that no. and i was so frustrated because i'm like i need a frame for it but i don't want to put it in this huge oversized because then it would be too much space on the the left and right not enough on the top and bottom or what have you yeah well i mean just, unless you had you know, it matted in like a well, yeah. just just so you know the kit the frames that holds like a cd cover and a cd mm -hmm. <laughs> fit it perfectly oh really I was like, yes, thank you, Michael's Craft Store. Well, that's the size of it. Now I know what the size of a CD is. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's Weird. it's always difficult. But, but I do like it when people do like the traditional sizes, an eight by ten or yep. or a twenty-two by twenty-four, something like yep. that. Eighteen by twenty-four. Eighteen. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Anything like that. <sighs> I agree. Well, I want to talk to you now about uh jonathan mayberry's joe ledger series because you recommended it to me and i still haven't even finished the first book because i've been just kind of getting through it at a slower pace even though i really enjoy it and i'm like damn it i, I want to finish this and i want to run out and buy all the other books right now so i can start reading it. <laughs> this is a great now I, I almost wanted to say it was a zombie series because the first book is but is it a zombie series or is it something not it's as... it, the first book is definitely a zombie thing and, and right it, and it kind of pokes it head, its head back up throughout various books mm -hmm. but it's basically oh here i'll give the quick synopsis Joe Ledger works for the Department of Military Sciences, and yep. it's an underground government agency. And they just have to deal with all the crazy in the world. So the first book is about terrorists that mm. come up with this awful plague that basically makes people eat each other, and they keep trying to tweak it, and it's up to Echo Team, which is Joe Ledger's military team, yep. to take them down. Um, one of the other books is about genetically engineered creatures so okay somebody makes berserkers and then there's one that's almost kind of vampire-esque where there's the red knight who may or may not be immortal and mm -hmm. may or may not thrive off of blood 
Um, but then they go into aliens and they go into drones and like, technology. And But it's all, I mean, it's all over the top, mm. but it's all just close enough to reality yep. that you're like, I can see this could possibly happen. <laughs> That's kind of why I like it. Like, I was pretty over zombies before you started talking about the Joe Ledger series. And I was like, all right, I'll go pick up the first book. Okay, here it is. It's Patient Zero. Oh, the cover even kind of looks like a zombie story. I wonder if I'm going to like this. And then all of a sudden I'm in it and I'm like, oh, this is interesting. Oh, this is about terrorists creating zombie. Oh, oh, this isn't really about zombies at all. This is, I mean, zombies are in this, but it's not about zombies at all. And I'll, I'll tell you where I am and try not to give away any of the plot. But I'm at the point where uh, Galt kind of realizes something very important and Toys gets all mad at him about it because Toys had tried to tell him that important thing all along. I totally forgot that Galt and Toys are in the first book. Yeah. Like, because they they're critical characters in the books to come. Oh, good. I totally, I totally, I just think of Imara. That's all yep. I think of when I think of, like, the bad mm-hmm. guys of the first book. But. Because I'm, I'm, I was very excited that there is a rather uh, androgynous, uh, sexually flexible character named toys of all things like it gave me so much delight i was like Uh, this is amazing it's it's so they're so well done for the fact that and we were talking about this earlier is during the first book it's all basically about joe ledger Mm -hmm. he gets included you know recruited into this this dms team who's fronted by mr church yep that some people call deacon but nobody knows anything about him and Joe Ledger is kind of one of those characters where he's overconfident. And if it wasn't for the fact that I love him so much, him in real life would drive me crazy mm-hmm. because he's such Absolutely. an egotistical, arrogant. Oh, he drives me crazy, but I love him. So even he is a little intimidated by Mr. Church. And then, you know, you got his best friend who's also a psychologist because Joe Ledger is a little crazy. You've got Rudy. And, like, yep. you, you start learning these characters and you start learning the other members of echo team like tops and bunny and mm-hmm. and i can't remember the other ones that are There's in tops in- bunny ollie uh I, those are the only ones i can remember tops bunny is ollie, chatterbox and... is chatterbox mm, in there no there was a guy he called jolly green giant that but a... jolly green giant is bunny's yeah. Oh, that's right. See, this is why I had trouble keeping yeah, track of the code names because they have code names and real names, and their real names don't necessarily always seem like real names. Well, here, here. So I'll give you the quick breakdown because Bunny's the best one. Bunny is called Bunny because his real name is Harvey. Harvey. Rabbit, yep. Right. But when they're in code, he's the Green Giant, just like Joe Ledger is Cowboy. Yeah. You know, and so. Yeah, it gets it gets a little crazy, but you start like in the first book, you like the characters, but none of them really seem that important other than Joe Ledger because you're following Joe Ledger through this mayhem. Right. right. Everybody else is just background. You get into the second one and they start they start introducing the characters of Echo Team a little bit more mm-hmm. and you start to you start to like certain characters and then as you progress to each book, Joe's kind of, I love Joe, 
but like I have my characters now where if they do anything to my characters, mm-hmm. all hell's going to break loose because don't touch my guys, you know? And I, yeah. I had that feeling earlier tonight for something entirely different. So I understand what you mean. It, they're just, it's so funny. I mean, you've got the Sergeant Rock who's top Sims, um, mm-hmm. Bradley Sims. There's just all these Oh, and Lydia. Is Lydia in the first book? Or does she might come in, no, come in later? Lydia's really yeah. cool. Um, she's the war bride. That's her call name. Hmm. Um, but then a lot of Jonathan Mayberry's books overlap. And I have to give him props. Is Most time when people overlap books, especially when they're jumping time frames, mm-hmm. you know where it's going. So Joe Ledger is all about Joe Ledger, but there's overlaps to the the Fall of Night and the Dark of Night series. Mm-hmm. And then there's also overlaps with the Rotten Ruin series. So, okay. and if you, if you read the Rotten Ruin series, it's somewhat futuristic once they introduce Joe Ledger in it. And you're like, well, that's where he's going to end up. But then he tweaks things where you're like, well, maybe that's not where he's going to end up, you know? And it's, there's mm. no, like the universe in the Joe Ledger books does not walk on a straight line. Hmm. And, it makes it so intriguing because like we said earlier, it still feels really realistic. Yeah. Well, so, and I just to compare, I read it or I I'm reading another series of books. I've I'm up to where it's been currently published. The series isn't finished, but it's uh, Larry Correa's monster hunter series, but that is more, uh, it's more out there. It's, based on a similar premise like the the main character uh gets attacked at his job as an accountant by a werewolf and that means that he realizes that monsters are real and he gets recruited into this private company called monster hunter international whose job is to hunt monsters but then there's also a government agency that also is supposed to hunt monsters uh, but they also are supposed to keep them secret from the public and so it kind of goes into the, a similar territory where the books revolve around hunting these kind of supernatural characters, but it goes way more out into the fantastic. It's almost urban fantasy as compared to uh, the Joe Ledger novels that are almost more almost sci-fi where they have like the hint of reality in them, but are definitely not real. So I don't know. And I'm just really, yeah, I'm just really excited to read the rest of this series. Now that you've described some of the other things they go after. Oh, and they're, they're great. And, and it's realistic to the fact that it's almost like a game of Thrones episode. Like you Mm -hmm. can't devote yourself too closely to the characters because they may or may not be there. Yeah. You know, and and that's what makes it great because as you as you get yourself involved into the series, you really start to root for them and mm-hmm. you're invested in them. So you do not want anything bad to happen to them. And you're like, yeah, you can't do this. Don't do that. And then when they get into these like epic situations where you're like, there's no way out of this, you're still like sitting there biting your nails going, come on, you can do this. You can do it. And they can do pretty amazing things because mm-hmm. Mr. Church has friends in the industry that always has toys. So He has a lot of friends, that's for yeah. sure. And it's funny you mentioned Game of Thrones because now they want to make this not movies, but they want to make this a TV show. I don't – see, I, I'm torn about the whole thing. I am super excited. Like I, yeah. I want to see this come to life. But 
so I read the first book in paperback, mm -hmm. all that. I've done the audiobooks since the, so I think Dragon Factory was yep. the first one I did the audio. And the actor, Ray Porter, mm -hmm. is Joe Ledger. Like, oh. I, I, I have the hardest time, like, he's Joe Ledger now. Like, I yep. can't hear anybody else's voice. And it, Ray Porter is yep. Joe Ledger. So I have quit buying the books other than an audio because the audios are so well <laughs> done. And... I feel like I'm I'm listening in on a Department of Military Science meeting, you know, when I'm driving oh, in my car. Yep, there, yep, that can be a problem. <laughs> so I don't know, like, how they would do it because a lot of what happens is kind of in the split personality mind of Joe Ledger, mm -hmm. you know? So and I, I hate to bring it, you know, do a comparison to, like, True Blood, but I think that's where they struggled with that is most of the True Blood books are within Sookie Stackhouse's head. Yep. And it's doable if it's got, you know, like we were talking, the right artist to do mm -hmm. it. Um, but I don't know how they would get an actor to pull off somebody as intense as Mr. Church or Aunt ah, Sally. Oh, boy, you know? I feel like... I was thinking about Mr. Church, the actor, and I was like, boy, the only one I can come up with that I think would work really well is actually Clancy Brown. Oh, I don't know who that is. Uh, you probably would if you saw him. He's, um... Oh, oh, he's in Pet Cemetery. Yeah, the only thing I can... Is he in Pet Cemetery? I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, he's the, the jackass cop. Oh, yeah, yeah. Now, I haven't seen that in a long time. I could only... The only thing I could pull off the top of my head is not even a live-action performance of him. Is He's the voice of Mr. Krabs on SpongeBob SquarePants. <laughs> but, uh, no, oh. like, I've seen him act in real life. Oh, he's in Shawshank Redemption as well. Yes. That's what yeah. I was trying to think. Um, I feel like he might be able to... Like, now that I'm reading the book and I was trying to think about, like... Because you always, when you're reading a book, think about, you know, features of what everybody looks like and stuff like that. Like, I've really gotten a real Clancy Brown type face going for Mr. Church. You want to so. know who I picture, which is really weird, um, hmm. is uh, Edward James Almost. Really? That's who I picture as Mr. Church. Like, sophisticated, but also could kill you at any moment. Yep. That, I can see that too. That's, oh man, that's the thing when you're reading a book is like, and that's why, I don't know, everybody always complains about books to movies. And it's true, but that's like the one thing about reading a book is it's just so personal. It's, it's like. It's influential once, though, because I just yeah. got done with American Gods. Mm -hmm. And have you, have you read that book? Not yet. No, but everybody says it's really good. Well, I, I only read it because the trailer for the new stars, um, TV show looks amazing and I was like what is this about mm -hmm. so I'm like I have to get the book so I just finished it on Friday and the entire time going through it all I pictured is Ian McShane as Wednesday <laughs> okay it made, it made the movie or the book great because I can totally picture him in that role mm -hmm. and yeah, so it it's pros and cons, but I've also yeah. got like things in my head of like who I would imagine. Like, I couldn't tell you. I you and I went back and forth on social media trying to figure out the cast of the Joe Ledger, right? Yep. I'm never happy with my my Joe Ledger casting. I I can't picture anybody pulling them off. You know? Yeah, that's why it's like uh, you kind of hope they pick somebody you don't know who exactly. he is. Exactly. Yeah. Um. 
same with tops. Like Bradley mm-hmm. Sims, I cannot cannot picture anybody playing him because in so Joe Ledger is sort of described as the blonde hair, blue haired or blonde blonde hair, blue eyed all American. Be guy. so funny if he was blue haired. It would be awesome. <laughs> Not really, but I would like to see that. Um, and then Bradley Sims is older, but older in this world means he's like 42-ish, you know? Yeah. Big black guy. Um, yep. Bunny is a, like, six foot seven gigantic California surfer boy. Yep. Um, Mr. Church is an elegant, darker guy with, like salt and pepper hair but always wears like rose tint glasses so you can never see the expressions of his eyes mm-hmm. rudy sanchez is kind of like the the smart dead poet society he's like the Spanish cousin guy. of rick sanchez morty morty he says morty yes <laughs> so like they they do a good job of explaining but the only one that i could i can totally picture an actor playing is bunny so mm-hmm. but all the rest of them like I balance back and forth. Like, I think I have it nailed down. And then I was like, yeah, but it's still not quite right. Yeah. I know. I, I felt the same way when they actually, I felt the exact same way when they uh, cast uh, Matthew McConaughey as the man in black from the Dark Tower series. And I was like, yes, Matthew McConaughey is a great actor. That's awesome. And then they put up the first picture of him. And I was like, oh, no he looks unhealthy no that's not right and his hair is i'm like no this no that's not how i thought it was at all now this looks weird as opposed to like roland to shane i was uh, having uh idris elba be roland to shane i was like yes that's great casting and i don't care that he's not like white like he is in the book i'm fine with that and he looks good and (laughs) so here's the funniest part is when they started talking casting of uh, Dark Tower. I thought the characters were swapped. Oh, yep. I thought he was going to be the man in black. Yep. And when that... when I found out the opposite, I'm like going kind of into this. Cuz yeah. I do think I do think I mean, I I agree with you like when I see McConaughey in the costume and stuff and in character, he he just looks unhealthy to me, but yeah. I think he can pull off the kind of aura of that character. Yeah, he can. It's just that when it, it was just kind of jarring because I was like, I had this idea of what they might do with him. And instead they took his hair and they dyed it that unnatural black. And then they, I was like, Oh, okay. I didn't. Okay. Yeah. I get it now. Like, and he'll be, you know, he's Matthew McConaughey. He'll be awesome. So I'm not too worried about it. I was just, it was like, Oh, I had it all in my head this way. And then it came out this way. So I knew I know what you mean when you're like, oh, I see it's not, like, quite right just yet. Well, and, and it, I mean, that's what makes a good actor a great actor, you know, is if they can pull it off. But there are mm-hmm. some that just, they don't, it, it, I guess when it's all said and done, it doesn't matter who they cast as long as they keep the fill of the character. Like, right. you know, it's kind of like everybody bitching and moaning about the Ghostbusters being women now and things like that. Mm-hmm. If they pull off the characters well, who cares? Let exactly. them be women, you know? But if they don't, it's kind of salt in the wound, you know? Like, yeah, you've got to pull it off well. And that's when, when you get a name that you, you know, you completely respect, it's easier. But when they yeah. throw in, like, 
a nobody or they throw in somebody that you don't like yeah it's it it ruins it like i remember when they were starting to talk about the casting for the han solo standalone film Ooh, and yeah. everybody was like throwing out what's it that kid's name Chris- from whiplash oh um um Shit. I can't think of his name. Miles Teller. Yeah. I was just like, if they cast him, I'm not watching it. I probably would, but the whole idea set so bad with me because I, I don't know. It's like, we're going to put Shia LaBeouf in this. And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, please, please no, don't. No, don't do that. Because you don't that. have, although, you know, they're good at what they do in certain situations. It yeah. take away for I love what they ended up doing with the casting for the Han Solo film. I, I think that was a great direction. And I think a lot of of movies are starting to do that more. They're starting to mm-hmm. grab people that aren't nobodies, but not somebody that have already like put themselves in that Right. You know, they're not the yeah. the round peg in the round hole. You know, they're they can yeah. move them around a little bit. Well, it's kinda like um when they were going to be doing Hannibal on TV, when NBC was going to do Hannibal, and I was thinking to myself, well, shit, you're not going to put somebody else in Anthony Hopkins' role and have them be any good, and Mads Mikkelsen, that's that's not really Hannibal Lecter right there, and then I watched Hannibal, and I was like, well, fuck, I was wrong about that on every single level. <laughs> Did you watch Hannibal? I didn't, but you know what's funny uh, is I have a friend that was obsessed with that show. Hannibal was. Wi- Do you have Amazon Prime? I don't. Oh, I have I was like gonna every say, other every other cable thing except for Amazon. I was gonna Prime. say it's. it's Do we get it? Do we not get it? It's. Yeah, I was gonna say it's free if you are subscribed to Amazon Prime, and I have Amazon Prime just because I order a lot of shit and because they have a fairly decent selection of TV and movies. Not like the best ever, but I think that's why I also have Netflix and Hulu and stuff. But oh, Hannibal was great. Okay, so, so this is a, a side thing. Which one? What do you? prefer the best because we we just probably a month ago finally told DirecTV mm, that we're done I, and we canceled yeah. our cable and I did too I'm actually apart. yeah I'm staring at the box right now to send my DirecTV remotes and stuff back so I did the same thing what do I prefer uh, I mean I st- still think Netflix is the best um, in terms of TV and kind of movies i guess like their movie selection goes in and out real bad yeah uh hulu i think is on the decline but the the good thing about them still is they still do uh south park um every week uh so there's that and they have a few other older things like right now they have the 90s animated x-men and they have the 90s animated spider-man and they've got all the bob ross i've been watching uh, but I'm real upset that they ended their contract with uh, CW or that CW ended the contract with Hulu. I don't know how that works exactly uh, because that's how I had planned on watching like The Flash and Supernatural and Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. Uh, now I have to get the CW app, which pisses me off. Uh, so I guess i still like netflix the best like it's the one we use the most and they have a lot of good original content oh my gosh their original content is just blowing up like mm-hmm. it's stranger things alone stranger that... things is great uh 
We watch uh, Orange is the New Black. We love Daredevil's uh, great. Daredevil's great. And the, I guess the other good thing about Netflix is they did make a deal with the CW that they're now going to get all the CW shows, but obviously not as they air. They're going to get yeah. them right after the season is over. But so, like, uh, I was actually just thinking that I was going to rewatch all of Crazy Ex-Girlfriend on Netflix before the new season starts. So It's, um, it's interesting, though, to see because it is – I mean, as with everything, it's survival of the fittest. So you're starting yep. to watch because it's nobody really buys DVDs anymore, or Blu-rays because they can stream. Oh, I do. <laughs> oh, I, I do too. But most people don't because they can stream it. You know, or yeah. they can find it somewhere through one of their million things. But yep. like, I think the Dish Network right now is probably leading in the in the realm of where things are going to go, but then it oh, could really? go, it could go pros and cons. Cause we, when we canceled our direct TV and it was simply for the fact that we had the pay channels and our television mm-hmm. alone was over 150 bucks, yeah. you know? And it's just like, this is ridiculous. Yep. We, um, and they don't work with you at all or, you know, there's no, no promotions. Once you get no. out of that contract, you're screwed and they just continue to raise your prices. So it's yep. like, I don't I don't want to be abused like that. So we we canceled it and we moved over to Sling TV, which is um, yep. which is a derivative of Dish Network. And it's kind of cool because for 20 bucks, you get 20 channels and it's only it's the channels you want. And you could pay, yeah. you know, five or 10 bucks extra and get get additional channels. But. That's all I need. That's all I want. Yeah. I want those. And then I do the apps for everything else. I do the app for HBO, do the app for Showtime, yeah. Stars, and then I have the only, Netflix. Uh, the only thing I – maybe it's because we don't have a smart TV yet. The only thing that bugs me currently is that every station is getting their own app. Yeah. And, like, some of the – like, I like a couple shows on True TV. I like Impractical Jokers, and I like Adam Ruins Everything. The True TV app I can only get on my phone, my tablet, or my computer. I can't get it on my Blu-ray player. I can't get it on my PS4. I can't get it on my well, Xbox 360. And that's that's the same thing with like um, Cinemax. Like yeah. I'm obsessed with the Outcast show, but the only way to get Cinemax, I can't download the app, even though I've downloaded the HBO app and they're under the same umbrella. Mm-hmm. I had to add it on for ten dollars on the Sling TV. So yep. I've got it, which is which is great, but mm-hmm. they have an app for your phone. They don't have an app for the Apple TV though. Right. And it's like, Argh. but I mean, it's we cut our our bill in half going all the cart. Oh and yeah. We we get to see what we want. You know, we've got yeah. um, the <clears throat> the Major League Baseball app. And mm-hmm. we can watch Tigers and Mariners games. And then we've got the HBO app and we've where we can watch John Oliver, Game of Thrones and Showtime. We're watching Ray yep. Donovan and Stars. We're watching, you know, Black Cells when it's on or Outlander, what have you. Like there's always good shows on and you don't have to be pigeonholed into I have to sign a contract. Yeah. Now I'm, and what was crazy and, and I know DirecTV is probably not going to like me kind of shit talking them, but. They Whatever. were charging us more for the pay channels than it was to get the app direct. Mm-hmm. You know, we're paying the seventeen H- yeah. bucks for HBO when you can get HBO yep. app for fifteen. It's like yep. that makes no sense. Well, I tell you, this is an idea I just thought of just now, and maybe it's too crazy to ever happen. But what if you got like your brand new 
TV right out of the box, your Apple TV, your Samsung Smart TV, whatever, and you turned it on, and it had, uh, and you could download, you know, it had a, an app store, and you could go and download, okay, now I'm going to download, let's say all the TV apps went pay to play, you know, CBS's app is going to be a subscription service, and you, uh, to, and even though that kind of makes me mad currently, I think if everybody went this way, it wouldn't make me that mad because then say you download the CBS app because you want to watch their new Star Trek show and they charge you six, bu- six bucks a month. And then you download the HBO app and they charge you 15 bucks a month. So then you're up to like what? you say 21 bucks a month and then you download you want to watch the cw so you download the cw app and they charge you five bucks a month and you're up to like 26 bucks a month and then you download maybe two or three more stations at five more bucks a month and you hit like 50 bucks and you've got the stations you want instead of paying 50 uh paying 60 70 80 dollars more a month like the 120 130 150 you'd be paying for direct tv or dish or and, comcast and i totally i totally get that but then i also i don't and this is just me but i don't see how it would work because yeah. if everybody charged 10 bucks 100 bucks you've only got 10 channels That's you know true. And then also what I don't think a lot of people understand is a lot of the channels are under the same umbrella. So, mm. for instance, A&E, History Channel, and Lifetime yep. are all the same company. So Ooh, Bundles might work. Yeah, right. so like, yeah. so History brings in a ton of revenue because of, you know, the channel, the shows they have, like Vikings and such. Yep. Um, but Lifetime gets some because they've got some really good movies they've got coming out. They just had that uh, Marilyn, uh, Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson um, show, and they do things like that. And then A&E's got the Bates Motel. Yep. But they, they make that little bit of ad space for those shows, and that ad space that they make under Vikings or under Bates Motel has to then support the, other, the rest of the channels. Mm-hmm. But if you merge them all to be one channel and only put the stuff that people are watching, it would be in, it wouldn't make sense. It wouldn't make sense to go from a weird reality show to Vikings to a Hitler documentary to Bates Motel. You know, like it needs to kind of, you need to know what you're getting when you go to those channels. Yeah. And a lot of things are like that. Like Cinemax is under the same umbrella as HBO. Um, And I think AMC, I can't remember what AMC is, but Fox is the same umbrella as FX. And so that ad space that they sell with their commercials has to support everything in order to keep new content going and to have, because you're not going to get the same show on FX as you would on A&E, you know? So you need the two variations, but Mm -hmm. nobody's going to pay $10 for every channel. So they have to find a way to bundle right. it. Plus, yeah, I, if it I mean, I, th- I was thinking lower. I, yeah, I yeah. was thinking lower, maybe a channel. But yeah, you're right. That but makes it depends sense because, like, Stars did an an excellent job when they launched their app. They charge eight ninety nine, mm-hmm. which isn't that bad. It, it's about what you know Netflix was charging. Netflix just raised their rates though, but um, yeah. but HBO can get away for fifteen dollars. Because mm-hmm. not only does HBO have HBO Go, which has every show they've ever had, which their plethora of shows is just insane. I love that app. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It's so good. I 
when was that? It was a couple months ago. I just sat down and I binged watched like three whole seasons of um, Six Feet Under. Like, mm-hmm. just forgot how great this show is. And Deadwood. Uh, you know, if I'm bored and there's nothing on TV, I'll throw in a Deadwood episode. I'm fine with it. Yeah. You know, so they can get away with $15, whereas like CBS, three ninety nine. Oh, it makes in- me so mad they want to ch- – all I want to watch on CBS is the new Star Trek show. And they're like, no, buy this app. And I'm like, no. <laughs> no, I refuse. I refuse. So it, it's 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 intriguing because it could work out amazing where you can all the cart. I want this. I want this. I want this. But then it could also be big corporations just reaming you in costs. So I don't know. In in the next you know two or three years, it's going to be an entirely different world when it comes to television than it is totally. right now. Which yeah. is it's exciting. It's scary, but it's exciting. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Well, I want to talk about one more thing because you mentioned it earlier and then we talked about Han Solo. So I want to talk about that friggin' Rogue One trailer that I loved so much. Oh, oh man, wasn't that? Oh, I don't even know where to start. It looks so good. Uh, remember in The New Hope when they were talking, they have all the, you know, the death star maps and stuff and they're like Mm -hmm. a lot of good people died bringing us those yep yeah it's like oh and i want to know the biggest thing and they didn't show much about it because i am so excited by all the cast that they've shown so far like every every character in that trailer looks amazing but you get that one little that one little add-on at the end of vader of darth vader yes and I want to know. So this is this is in between episode three and episode four, right? Yeah. the The word on the net is that this movie ends fifteen minutes or so before A New Hope begins. That that makes sense because that's yep. what was my big question is: is where yep. does it sit? Like, is yep. Luke and Leia ten years old, or is it right before? Because nope, it would make sense with the whole nope. Princess Leia. Yep. Obi-Wan, your only hope, you know. Yep. This is right before the, yep, this is right before the beginning of A New Hope. So here's the question is, like, New Hope, Vader is pretty composed, Mm -hmm. and he's basically just a micromanager for the Empire. Yep. But at the end of episode three, he is a raging temper tantrum kid just pissed off at the world. Do we get to see the progression of him composing himself with the dark side or are we still going to see some of that temper tantrum uh, I hate everyone I believe that this movie will probably have Darth Vader pretty much as he is in A New Hope uh, I'm, I'm hoping not though because a... I want him to just be going across the galaxy just fucking shit up because under, yeah, that's from what, what I hear, Vader would do. Yeah, from what I hear, I haven't read it, but from what I hear, that's what the new ongoing Darth Vader comic book is. Is kind of... Because there is an ongoing uh, official in-canon Star Wars Darth Vader comic book that I hear is pretty darn good that covers, uh, I guess, that span... 
uh, between when he first becomes Darth Vader at the end of episode three and the 20 or so years that pass until you get to a new hope. Well, that's the other thing is that nobody, how old do you think Luke and Leia are in new hope? Early twenties. You think so? Cause I'm thinking more like 17, 18. Really? Yeah. Hmm, maybe. I, I always got like... Between the two movies, I'm thinking it's 15 to 17 years. I, yeah, I guess so. Now that you... T- I always Luke assume... is a whiny little bitch in New Hope. I'm just saying yeah. he is like a temper tantrum teenager. Maybe he's... Yeah, maybe he's not early 20s. Maybe he's late teens approaching 20. Because I always just assumed he was talking... I always got the impression he was talking about going off to college. So maybe he is 18. Maybe it's not 20 years. Maybe it is like 18. But then again, he does say most of his friends are already gone. So, like, maybe he's late in getting away. So, I don't know. Maybe he is like 18, 19. Because that would make... That would... I, I don't I don't know why. I mean, it's like a couple years doesn't make a huge amount of difference. But... yeah. I think the closer Vader is to when he became Vader than to where he was at in New Hope. I want to yeah. see that, like, in be- I don't want it to be 20, 25 years later. I want it to be 10, 15 years later because it's still, I don't know, in my head, it feels like it would be more raw for him with the yeah. whole Queen Amidala crap and all that. Yep. I want, like, Vader has those moments of rage you know, where yep. with his like psychotic like chokehold that he doesn't need to touch you with. Yep. But I want to see I want to see more breaks of that. Kind of like in episode seven where um, Kylo Ren is just destroying the place because things are going his yeah. way. I want to see Vader in. I want to see him not as composed because we know Anakin is not a composed dude. He like has to learn that to become the dark side or what have you. Right. And I want it. I'm hoping that they do a little bit of that. And I, I just want to see that death star bouncing around the galaxy, blowing shit up. Ah, uh, I liked, man, this is like, boy, I think this movie is probably the most beautiful looking star Wars film. I'd have to go back and watch all of them and everything, but the shots in this trailer and the, the way that it's, lit and the way just everything looks is like man this film is fantastic looking there's a shot where uh the lead actress i can't remember her name is like running and a tie fighter comes right up in front of her and it looks like a real vehicle is just leaping up in front of this woman and i'm like man that is just some damn good cinematography right there and some damn good special effects it's funny that you said that so i have i have a lot of friends that work in the film industry as editors or graphic designers or Mm -hmm. or animators things like that yeah and a friend of mine put this up and he's just like i mean the special effects i'll read exactly it goes digital effects seems like they've improved leaps and bounds over the last few years i mean the stuff from rogue one trailer is gorgeous effects friends why is this better software i don't know the explanation but i like it and i I read that and i was like it's kind of true because it's very i mean they're using practical effects which i'm always Mm -hmm. a fan of and maybe it's because i grew up in you know the 70s and 80s i want to see people actually on strings being thrown around instead of a computerized person um but uh, one of his friends who's actually a teacher and stuff in in 
FX is it's a combination of better software, hardware, and time. The biggest constraint on computer-generated effects isn't technology, but the more time allotted for the job. Most productions don't have the big budget to spend on so much time and money on the film. That's why there's better hardware. That's where better hardware comes in. If you can create and render faster, you can do it in less time. So basically what he's saying is is that, yeah, we've got this amazing technology, but then we're also allowing these artists to take the time and utilize it. Kind of what we were talking yeah. about earlier. It's like with art, it's it's a tool. You know, don't use yeah. it just because you have it. Use it because you need it. I mean, yeah. yeah, it's just everything in it. I was like, wow, everything looks like it's right there. Kind of like... And I guess that was always my big argument for the practical effects is like I want it to look like something is really there and with a practical effect it is really there versus looking like a cartoon. But if you can do something with CGI and make it look like it's really there and make it do more things than you can make a practical effect to do, then that's where I get all on board with CGI. As long as it looks like it's a thing that is really there and is convincing and can do all the things that the artist needs it to do to complete their vision, then bring it on. Yeah, totally. Well, and I'm a firm believer that less is best. Like, you don't yeah. need... Like, that's where the first three episodes failed miserably. Like, everything was oversaturated and mm -hmm. I mean everything was in front of a green screen and that's yeah. where episode seven was so beautiful is they're actually out in the sand and they actually made props and yep. you can you can tell the difference between one to the other and it's finding that perfect marriage between the two and it looks like in this trailer that they have completely done that which huge thumbs up Pretty excited. Only a few months away. Yay. Hooray. <sighs> well. You're just excited that? that winter's coming. <laughs> I am. I'm always excited that, hey, winter is coming. <laughs> <laughs> we are such the opposite. I get so excited uh, when summer's here. Like, I love yeah. the heat. I hate the cold. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's been a long summer for me. It's been in the upper 80s, low 90s, and like wicked humid. So, as, and I, you know, working outdoors and I've just been sweating through everything. And uh, I'm just, I want it to be, even if it's not like super cold, I'd like it to just be cooler. Yeah. That's I can, all. I can see that. I, though, yeah. I'm fine with it's 98, 100 degrees. <laughs> Although, you know, I would like a rainstorm. I would like a. Yeah. And it sucks. It's like, what's up? Louisiana is getting like. 10 inches of rain in, what, 36 hours? I heard that recently, yeah. Ridiculous. We haven't had rain in, like, five months. I know. Like, well, it didn't rain here. It. it didn't rain here either most of the summer. Uh, one of the big rivers that I drive by frequently uh, that normally would be, you know, wouldn't want to even attempt to cross it or swim across it or anything, I could walk across it now and not get my ankles wet. Yeah, that's kind of, that's the same so. here. Well, the scariest part is Seattle is a rainforest. Like, it, mm -hmm. the whole Puget Sound area is a rainforest. They've been in a yep. drought for two years. Yeah. Like, it's like, oh. It's nuts. So, bring on winter. Hopefully a lot of lot more snow, and yeah. you'll be happy, and we'll get, to see, we'll get to see more Star Wars. Winter's coming. I got to man the wall and make sure the White Walkers don't get over it. 
I'm kind of excited for the White Walkers, <laughs> to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> Who isn't? You know, he spent all that time promising that dragons and White Walkers were coming. Might as well get to them, damn it. Right? Exactly. That's all I'm saying. Ain't I still it. haven't gotten past season two of Game of Thrones. I don't really know what I'm talking about. I'm just talking about what I know from South Park. <laughs> you, you, you should binge watch it. It gets. I'm getting there. I'm getting it gets, there. It gets slow, and I I will be the first one to admit I have been a hater. Like the beginning of this last season, I'm just like, really? If Arya Stark says, "A girl has no name," one more time, I'm gonna jump through the TV and kill her. Just, yep. I'm just going to do it. But then the last, like, three or four episodes, just like, now that is what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep. I'm get, I'm slowly getting there. Maybe this week I'll, while I'm alone, I'll just sit and watch Game of Thrones. I have tomorrow off. I'll just stay home, watch Game of Thrones, and try and join the uh, join the pop culture again. Yeah. It's, it's Something fun. like that. At least once you get caught up to then the next season the last is it the last season i think or something like that next I, season i think or the next two seasons yeah i think it's like the next two seasons something like that yeah i'll, I'll be all caught up just in time for it to be over i can then go on to the next big thing somebody hey, else can recommend me something else that i can fall six seasons behind on oh my gosh i i refuse to watch breaking bad for the longest i try like it'd be on and i try watching an episode and i'm like i don't get why people like this show like the show yeah i don't get what the draw is it's not bad but it's not like it's not pulling yep. me and a friend of mine's like start on episode one season one and watch it through hold on until you get to season two before you say anything and sure enough by the time i got mm -hmm. to season two i binge watched like three four seasons and then i got to write to the last season right when it was live and i was like all right let's do there this <laughs> i was such a late late comer to that party maybe next i'll see what that preacher show is all about Ooh, do preacher <laughs> before you do uh before you do game of thrones okay I it's weird though if, you, yeah. if you're looking for serious and makes sense then you'll hate it but oh no i'm not i'm never looking for serious or makes sense. well sometimes i am but not often it's hilarious and ridiculous and gory and awesome. Great. I'm on board. <laughs> like sold. Sold. Sweet. Oh. Well, Jenny, tell people where they can find you. You can find me at Robbie Art on all social media networks or on the Atomic Kingdom website. That's R-O-B-I, Robbie. Yep, R-O-B-I-A-R-T. Or on Atomic Geekdom. And you post lots of great stuff on all your social media from all the cons and stuff you go to, so you're you're totally worth the follow on that front. Well, thank you, sir. Yeah, no problem. And thanks for being here and shooting the shit with me, even though I didn't have anything prepared. It was a lot of fun, and we went and had some good stuff to say to each other. I liked it. And now we're, I'm going to totally binge through all the instagrams to find more art that you talked about <laughs> yeah i'll try and share more of it with you so i can figure out what uh what might be worth sharing because like i said i follow a lot of people i like it and all right hit me up when you finish patient zero i oh, you know i will because then i'll be like all right now i gotta go out and buy the other books let's talk about more of this i'm telling you, if you can headphones <laughs> it the audios are spectacular Ooh, I do listen to a lot of audiobooks at work, so maybe I'll just start getting those instead. Ray Porter is Joe Ledger. Oh, speaking of audiobooks, the commercial at the front of this episode, I always put it at the beginning. Just remember that commercial. Go check out the new, or not new, go check out the books we talked about tonight. Go check out that Joe Ledger series on that audible.com. It's awesome. 
Or American Gods, and you're caught up before the show starts. Or American Gods, good point. All right. <laughs> and we are out of here. Ha, ha, ooh, he, ha, ha, ha. And I thought my jokes were bad. The Two Broke Geeks podcast is a production of Two Broke Geeks Entertainment in conjunction with Atomic Geekdom. Find us online at twobrokegeeks.com, on Facebook, facebook.com slash twobrokegeekspodcast, and on Twitter at 2BGpod. And find Atomic Geekdom online at atomicgeekdom.com and on Twitter at Atomic Geekdom. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes and leave us a nice review. It really helps us out. Thanks. Don't do anything stupid until I get back. How can I? Taking all the stupid with you.